seller there that I previously purchased from. And I was like, oh, do you remember me? I bought $8,000 worth of stuff from you last time. He was like, yes, yes, I remember you. I'm like, all right, point me to the good stuff. I know you, you saw on Amazon too, because I see your store on every listing I'm on. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs. Um, when's the last time you created a listing, right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale. You've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So, Go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a little bit of money. Get some free keywords to test. Try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't, adjust. What's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations but again all the flat files uploaded done as I needed I pop in so she'll send me a template I pop in some information and then boom it's handled oh wait these pictures weren't done right blah 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 this UPC needs it boom modified adjusted and again the communication has been phenomenal too I get an email pack saying hey this was done or this you're missing this Steve hey you got to do this so you know we have those challenges too and that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time did you know Karen also does listings for eBay yep lots of them so if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can, um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days and then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? 
Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts, um, how do you, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the, my, my link, and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamens, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamens. So you know you can trust them. Okay, so come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings, and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join, you get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 342, Jerry Ballop. Um, very, very cool. Very inspired man. This kid is a hustler. I'm calling him a kid. Yes, I can call him a kid because he's young. You're going to be blown away when you hear how young. Wait till you hear how much money he's spending. Wait till you hear whose money he was spending. All you parents, hold on to your wallets. You're going to like this episode. What I, I really appreciate is the education he's getting. When he's talking through terms that, you know, I went to college to learn, and here he is, is not, and he's learning it. He's learning it like in the real world, not some stupid textbook that doesn't really work anymore, this old model that was back from the 30s. He's learning it in the streets, and he's learning it and he's applying it. I think that's it. His execution. I, th I think that's the thing I'm taking away from it. This mindset comes up a whole bunch of times. We finally get to this one word, which really explains why he's having so much success. It's something that we all know we need more of. It's something we need to do. I want you to hear it in there, or I'm going to mention it at the end if you didn't figure it out. But pay attention to how much he knows and where he's learned it. Love it. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce moment on podcast. We're excited about today's guest. His name has come up so many different times by so many different people. Um, and what's interesting is I think I've got kids older than him. Jerry Ballop. Welcome, Jerry. Oh, how are you, Stephen? I am really well. You have your name has come up a bunch of different times from a bunch of different people just saying, you know, they're impressed. I mean, first off, how old are you? Uh, right now I'm 19. 19. And they were all like, he gets it. Um, I mean, just for some reason, there's a whole bunch of people that are like following you, um, like you're the leader, and yet you're 19, Jerry. And Kelly Loach will appreciate this. I have socks older than you, Jerry. Oh. Well, happy birthday to those socks. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm just teasing you. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool when people are calling you out and noticing you. I mean, that's got to make you feel pretty good, especially as 19. Yeah, I'm on the come up. So. Yeah, it, so got a lot of days ahead of me. Well, you know why? Why are you in this world specifically? I mean, why reselling? Well, uh, it all started out in freshman year of high school. I was into collecting old games from like the GameCube era, Super Nintendo, Nintendo. And at a certain point, I started realizing, oh, I have doubles and triples of some games because I was buying them from Goodwills for two, three dollars each. And I was like, all right, what can I do with these extra games? So wait, you were buying them just for yourself. You'd see them and they were a deal. You just buy them. Boom. I just want yeah. them, want them, want them. Okay. So you end up with a whole bunch of uh, video games. Okay. 
yeah, and then one day I was looking up just on YouTube, just like how to make money at my age, and I think I came across uh, some of College Pickers, Stephen Reagan, and Bonafide Hustlers uh, videos. Mm-hmm. The green room guys. Like, yeah, the green room guys. And I was like, oh, Amazon. Like, I buy off Amazon, but what about selling? So after looking everything up and seeing how you're supposed to ship out and everything, I listed my first item, a Nintendo GameCube, and within the first night it sold. Now, wait a second. You're not even 18 years old at this point? No, I was 14 or 15 at the time. Well, first off, you're not supposed to be selling. You're only 14 or 15. So when you went to your parents and said, hey, sign up an account for me. I want to sell on Amazon. What did they say to you? They were okay with it. They were okay. They like, like, you pay the taxes out of it. Okay. So they didn't think anything of it. They just thought, oh, no big deal. Yeah, just selling some stuff on the side. Okay. All right. You know, I guess as a dad, I would sit back and say, cool. That's good. If you're not using any more, this is utility, especially if you're going to make your money, you spend $2. As long as you make 2 bucks, I'm happy, right? Yeah, they're, they're just like, all right, get rid of some stuff in the house and go ahead. So what did you pay for the GameCube? Do you remember? Probably around like 8 bucks, 5 okay. bucks. Okay, 5 8 bucks. What did it sell for? I think at that time, I, I didn't really get the whole fees and everything, so I just sold it for the lowest price of like 30 bucks. So thirty bucks. What did you net out of it? I probably made like five bucks after shipping. Okay, so five dollars after shipping. So you spent five. Maybe you made five, or you spent eight and made five. Well, to a fourteen-year-old kid, it's still a lot of money. But what what did you think then? I mean, did you realize eh, this is hard? This isn't worth it? Or huh, there might be something here. Yeah, that's what hit me off. I was like, hmm, if I made five bucks here. What if I go back to Goodwill, spend the $10 I have, and find a way to double it? And that's what clicked in your head. So you're, you were okay if I could double my money, and then you take that 10, and that doubles to 20, and then 20 doubles to 40, 40, right? Is that the math you're doing? Yeah, I was like, oh, can I snowball this into something bigger? And when you, when you, before you decided to resell, when you went to Goodwill just looking for, as a buyer— to buy for yourself. Did you have trouble finding stuff? No, because uh, around 2014, during that time, you could still find uh, retro video games at thrift shops at cheap prices. Okay. That was right before they caught on. Okay, so you were just going out there and buying. There was no pressure. If you found them, awesome. Life is very good. There were abundance at that point. Um, fast forward to today... How often do you see those games in Goodwill and thrift stores? Almost barely never. Uh, if I'm going somewhere and the Goodwill's right next to a gas station, I'll, pa- I'll pass by and pop in, maybe find a handful of items for eBay, but I barely ever thrift anymore. Yeah, barely. All right, because it, it's just, you know, A, the thrift store companies are selling it themselves. They understand, right? And so they're doing a lot of that themselves. Or there are people, and I watch... Um, uh, like I've had Lonnie Honeycutt is uh, um, garage flips. Every day he goes to uh, um, Goodwill. Every single it's right next to his post office, so it's convenient. But every single day, and so when people do that that frequently, they're more likely to find that stuff. So it, the odds of you just happening in to find that stuff anymore are probably pretty slim, pretty much across the country. Okay, so so you flip this this thing and then you're like okay i'm going to take this money that i got net and i'm going to invest it and buy more was it video games your thing i mean is that the category you stayed in 
Yeah, that was like my main thing. And then what ended up branching off from that, I had buddies in school that were like, oh, I have my old GameCube games I want to sell you. Nice. So during uh, the free period of class, I take a look at all their games, make an assessment of what I can get after fees and give them a fair value. So then their friends, my friends start telling their friends and their friends start telling other people. So, you know, when you're in high school, you have a bunch of people with old stuff they want to get rid of. Oh, you got a network and they don't have access to cash and they don't want to work and their parents aren't giving them money. So this is a good network, right? Because they didn't buy it. Somebody else bought it for them. Um, yeah. Your math teachers probably were pretty proud because here you are in the hallway doing math. Let me calculate. You assess them. That means you did some math and said, hmm, if I buy it at this price and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So um, any trouble in school from it? From buying and selling? Yeah. No. I mean, did they ever just say, hey, what are you doing? You know, it's not like you're doing drugs. I mean, it's it's this yeah. is buying and selling. All right. So they were cool with it. But, I mean, again, you get what I'm saying that, you know, as a as as a teacher, they would be like, "Huh, you understand the concept of arbitrage? You're buying uh, or uh, economics, supply and demand, yeah, and, and I pricing." Low key for a couple of years. It wasn't until uh, the last two years of high school that people were catching on to what I was doing. And when they catch on, did they did they jump in to 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 copy you, or did they say, "Hey," or did you start having even a bigger network of people bringing you inventory? There were like two guys that they didn't like the price I gave them for their collection of stuff, so they just sold it themselves on eBay. But I had more people coming in just saying, oh, here are all my Nintendo Wii games, here are all my GameCube games, oh, I have some Lego I want to sell. And Oh, we got into Lego then. Whoa, so we slipped out of video games into Lego. What was attractive to Lego for you? Uh, Lego, I already have sources where I can sell the bricks in bulk. And then usually once I sell the bricks, I'm already making 20 to 40% profit. And from there, all the little minifigs, animals, base plates, anything extra from that is just extra money that comes in. And I usually milk another 100, 200 bucks out of that. So, I mean, that's a good point. So let's just pause on that because I think that's one of those places that people get stuck at. So almost every yard sale, uh, not that I go to them anymore. I try not to because I will buy something and I don't want to buy it. Um, um, I have these giant containers of Legos in my warehouse. Ask Jameson because he'll tell you. Um, they're there um, and they just show up and I don't know where they come from. I haven't opened them. I don't know what they are uh, because it's overwhelming when you look at it because it's just enormous volume of stuff. But so your your advice is to find, I mean, I know you can sell it for seven bucks a pound, I think it is on eBay or one of those places. Yeah, um, more yeah, more or less, right. So, but it's, it's so you, you split it up. You're going to pull the minifigs, of course, right? And some minifigs are worth money and most of them aren't. Um, the instructions have value. Boxes have value, depending what they are again. Um, how about, do you pull out the wheels and all the, all the small little parts when you're selling in volume, are you just selling them the bricks, the basic bricks? It usually depends because if I have a good amount, let's say, of the wheels where I can fill in a medium flat rate box full of wheels, yeah, I'll sell them separately. But if not, I'll just toss them in with the rest of the bulk bricks and sell it as is. Okay. All right. So hey, thinking about that, when you see a tub of bricks at a yard sale, right? What's the typical price you pay for that stuff? Because that's what you usually see. You see some plastic bin that some kid had, you know, 20 sets and they, you know, some of it's there, not all of it. What's what's that cost usually at a yard sale? Uh, I actually don't really find Lego much at yard sales. I have sources a couple hours north that give me 
like a couple hundred pounds at a time. But when I oh, wow. do find, I try buying at three dollars a pound or less. Okay, so you're assessing that tub and you're looking at it. You might pick it up and say, it's about five pounds. So the the most you want to pay is 15 bucks. So you'd offer 10 and maybe land at 15. Okay, so you got this tub. You bring it back. What's that involve? I mean, is it worth your time? Because that's the other thing that I look at. Is it worth your time to sort that stuff? I mean, well, when I was little, you know, my parents would buy me any Lego set I wanted. And Christmas, you always get those big Lego castle sets, the airport. So, of course, I love Lego. Mm -hmm. So, for me, getting a, a big 30-pound tub and already having the box set up to ship to my bulk buyer, I'll just put on a podcast or a TV show or something and quickly filter through the bricks, take out what I can sell separately, and maybe within 10, 15 minutes, I can get 30 pounds done. No kidding. And 30 pounds at $7 a pound. I mean, that's just a, that's a significant amount of money. I mean, that, that's significant. Right, and especially if you only have uh, ninety bucks into it, and you're selling it for you know two hundred plus, um, so that is that does sound worth it in that scenario. Um, is it a mindset issue? Because I I think you know as I sit and think about it, it looks overwhelming to me. It looks like I don't think I can keep my attention. Um, so yeah, I'm probably, probably going at it negative. You know. Yeah, definitely a mindset issue. Hmm. Okay. All right. So so you started selling Lego video game. The network expanded. Their their connections went out to the other. At any point, did you have anybody buy at the when at that earlier stage? Did you have anybody buying for you, or did you pay a finder's fee or anything like that to try to get more business? Uh, I had a couple of friends in the the grade above me that I'd pay them a finder's fee if they found friends that wanted to sell to me. So every two days, it'd be like, "Oh, Jerry, this my friend wants to sell you all his DS games. Oh, my friend wants to sell you all his uh, Game Boy stuff." And I pay them five, ten bucks for every person they found. And and were you utilizing, um, you know, uh, I guess yard sales or uh, Craigslist would have been around. I mean, you're you're young enough. Um, Craigslist would have been around. I don't think OfferUp or Leco or any of those would have been there at that age. But uh, it, newspaper, yard sales, and Craigslist would have been the only other avenues. Were you using those avenues at that point too? Yeah, it was every now and then I'd. I'd connect with people through there and meet up at the gas station in the corner or a Walgreens or a Target. But for the first couple of years, it was mostly off friends. And then a good advantage point I had was I joined early on in one of the big retro gaming groups on Facebook. And from there, I'd be buying bulk games off people and selling those individual on Amazon. So those groups, those were typical players. That is that what or yeah. collectors? Yeah, collectors of any retro system, and of course, when you're collecting, you'll buy extras, uh, make money to buy more games. So I believe every week I had a couple boxes come in, just ten Mario sixty fours, <laughs> ten uh, Legend of Zeldas, and I still have a couple photos on my phone. Just I'll be like, wow, back in the day, I can get twenty Legend of Zeldas. At 15 bucks each and make $10 each, no problem. And today it's really hard to find that. And what's it sell for now, that same game? Uh, let's say Mario 64 back then. It was like 20, 25. And today it's around 25 to 30. Okay, so it went up a little bit. But it's just the frequency of finding them. That's really the harder thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's one of the, you know, I saw somebody say something about this the other day, that the Nintendo game systems seem to be the only system that has held its value. Is that is that fair? Yes, definitely. Hmm. Okay, so so you're still in high school, you're having some success with this, and what what's the what's the plan? Uh, what's what's the plan? You're doing this just to just to have to make some money, to have some fun. Did you ever think that this could be a business? Um, I think around sophomore year, that's when I really did Q4 intensively. You know, using like my parents' credit cards and stuff and paying them back. Wait, retail arbitrage with your parents' credit card? Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I could, I could picture that conversation with me when my boy's coming in. Dad, wait till you see. I got this big idea. Uh, get out. You know, go. No, cut some grass. I mean, that's a that's my generation. We cut grass, what have yeah. you. How do you convince your parents to let you borrow money? Their money. Well, when I first set the whole Amazon thing, I made a separate bank account under all my parents' names. So <laughs> that debit card would be the one I'd use. But if yeah. I need additional funds, I'd ask for a credit card. Okay, but that's fair. Okay. So you're saying your dad or your mom gave you some rope? Um, and they're probably behind the scenes saying to each other, oh, don't worry. He'll, this is a phase. Jerry's in a phase. It's going to go away. Don't, don't worry. It's just a phase. Um, but I think it's very healthy that, you know, you built up a balance, you built up a commitment, and then they let you use that. I mean, I think that's a smart move as a parent. Um, I think it's very healthy. Okay. Were they having a conversation with Jerry? What are you going to do with the rest of your life yet at this point? Uh, I was still in that phase of high school where you're like oh what college am i gonna apply to <laughs> yeah yeah what are you gonna what do <laughs> making i can pay for college and then starting junior year i started looking to the actual costs and then i was like all right no i'll just do this full time you know now think about now you're 19 so your friends that went to college are still in college correct yeah they're second year or third year right now how many of them seem certain of their future when you think when you talk to them I mean, like, they got a plan. I mean, there's always that guy, the outlier, the doctor, or the lawyer, whatever, because his dad was. But outside of them, how many of your other friends have a real clue what they're going to do and know exactly where they're going? I mean, a lot of doc like the doctor-lawyer types, you know, at least, you know, for them, they can pay off the loans easily. Mm -hmm. They can, at least after a current certain amount of years of experience, they'll earn good money. But there's other guys studying, like, journalism and music, and I see the money they're raking up in debt, and I'm like, no, no. Yeah, you're never going to pay. Yeah, I agree. with, And they amortize this as like a home mortgage, 30 years now. Um, you know, sitting there thinking about this, this experience you're getting is is really an education in sales. Back in the old day, this is your grandfather's day I'm going to talk about, um, there are these uh, tapes they would have put in cars to listen to the Ural Nightingales and these kind of people that would have, you know, basic motivation and sales trainings and all that kind of jazz, right? Um, that education, um, they used to call it, um, Gary Ray called it, uh, oh, dashboard, uh, university or something like that. And so you'd listen to these things and that's how you get this additional education if you didn't go to school and especially for sales, because a lot of salespeople never went to school. Um, you're getting this with video games and Legos, Jerry, <laughs> you're getting paid to get an education. Do you understand that? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I do cost benefit analysis. I'm like, would I rather spend forty to seventy thousand per year on a university, or potentially make a couple hundred thousand per year 
reselling items here and there. Well, you know what happens if this doesn't work? You could always go to school, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, so what do your parents say? So it'll be a lot easier. Well, what do your parents say, though? Because this has to be still in their mind. When you said to them, Dad, Mom, I'm, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to do full-time in this business. What was their... Uh, junior, junior year of high school, I was hinting at it. They were still against that idea. They're like, no, you're applying to school. If anything, you'll go to University of Miami or something within your hometown. And then by senior year, you know, my mom was seeing the money coming in, and she's like, all right, if this is what you want to do... Just don't be stupid with the money. Have amount saved up. Just be responsible, and you can do whatever you want. You know, thinking back to pe uh, people who would have started a business, it would have taken an enormous amount of money to create a business, Jerry. Right? I mean, think about it. Right? You know, to buy the building or to lease a building, to to get all the all the equipment and all. Well, you got to get vans and vehicles and all this stuff. It cost a fortune. You're starting this business with bootstrapped, right? I mean, you're just using the money that you made from from that first Nintendo thing that you flipped. It's it's still going, right? Um, that that mitigation of I just had this discussion yesterday at a party about mitigation of risk in business. Most people go into selling on Amazon, selling on eBay, um, because they see somebody post numbers. Look, I just sold ten thousand dollars worth of books. You two can do this. It's easy. Well, you and I both know it's not easy. And yes, you could sell $10,000, but that doesn't mean you make money. So let's, we all know that, right? But that's not what somebody who's selling a course is going to say. So we, you know, to be fair, there are people that do that stuff, marketers. Um, however, um, it comes with risk, especially if you're using credit cards, right? If you're borrowing money and uh, you're counting on the Toys R Us points that you're going to use, they're gone, they stopped them, and so anybody who got stuck with them lost all that profit they were going to make is gone. So your mitigated risk because you're bootstrapped this business um, and you didn't expand. I mean, to me, as a parent, I would sit back and say, my God, this is, this is somebody back in the 1800s opening a business. It really does seem that way. You know what I mean? Do you, do you get that vibe? You get, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the future is now with technology at our fingertips – it honestly doesn't cost that much to start up a new company and get everything done. Well, especially with what you're doing, because generally, and I'm, now correct me if I'm wrong, is your business model, uh, I mean, I know Q4 especially, and we're, we're going to talk about that because you have a Q4 group. We could talk about that. But but um, Q4 for you, you're a big toy seller, so you're going to do the arbitrage thing and everything else and make your money fast. But the rest of the year, you're buying either discounted retail arb or you're buying used through bulk purchases pawn shops and things like that correct is that still your business model uh my strategy has changed with okay in the past year a lot but the past couple of years it's been a lot of thrift stores a lot of pawn shops buying target clearance here and there and then q4 you know go all in on black friday and but nowadays it's changed ever since toys r us went out Okay. And, and that is, I, again, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday at a party and we talked about Toys R Us. Who's going to fill in that gap, right? I mean, because I was in a Walmart this morning. They did not expand their toy section versus what it was before, toy, at least my store. They're, they're today, now maybe they're going to change it for, you know, once Christmas time comes. But today, the exact same space they had dedicated to toys um, last year is the same this year so far. 
Um, I haven't been in a Target in a long time, but I'm assuming it's pretty much the same, that they're not going to give a lot of space. Who's replacing Toys R Us? Well, right now at uh, Party City, they're renting out old Toys R Us locations for their seasonal Halloween. Right. And they're starting to stock up on toys, but I passed by the other day and the toy prices aren't really that good anyways. So wait, Party City is now getting into the toy business? Yeah, they're doing the Halloween City slash Toy City locations now. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, that's a tough thing. You know, if Toys R Us couldn't make a go of it, what makes you think that Party City is going to be able to make a go of it, right? Probably Party City isn't $5 billion in debt like Toys R Us was. Okay. All right. So you think that might be an answer. Hmm. I. For me, you know, the logical answer is that it's going to move to online. I mean, you know, this year, online toy sales, I expect to see explode because the options are so limited, right? Yeah, like uh, especially, let's say, Christmas time, a kid wants a certain Lego set. That was a Toys R Us exclusive. Toys R Us is out. They don't make that Lego set anymore. And what's the parent going to do? Make their kid cry saying Santa Claus didn't bring it on time or... Just order it maybe a couple weeks or a couple days before Christmas Day or the 100% markup on Amazon. Right. They have no choice. I mean, ultimately, it has to go somewhere, that business. There's lots of kids, and the toy the toy demand has not gone down. Um, it's just the ability to do it. So, so talk about your strategy. So you said that in the past, that was your model. You would do thrift stores and pawn shops, um, and you got into electronics too, correct? You weren't just doing game systems. Yeah, I was doing like DVD players, Blu-ray players, iPods, Lego, video games. But nowadays, it's changed drastically. And why did it change? I mean, what was it that caused you to say, I mean, was it the Toys R Us and you understanding the toy business? Is that what it is for you that you say, hmm, opportunity today? And, and as we all know, it could change six months from now. But today, pivot and adjust. It started, uh, I believe, like last year around summer. I drove to the green room meetup from Miami, Florida to Austin, only hitting up pawn shops along the way. So, yes, I was picking up hundreds of video games and systems. But then later on in the year, I'd go to ASD week for Las Vegas, and I talked to bigger sellers, and they're like, all right, how can you scale the business up so you can double your sales next year? Do you think you can do that same amount or more, just only pawn shops and Goodwills? And so obviously you said no, right? I mean, hence the reason we're having this discussion. So yeah. so in your mind, and at this point, it's still just you, right? You have no staff? No, I only like every now and then a friend comes in to help me prep stuff. Okay. And you're working out of your house at this point still too? Yeah, still in my house. Okay, so your costs are low, right? You're lean and mean, as they say. And so you get you got a taste of what it could be when you saw this ASD, when you saw some of these bigger sellers, when you see that. Does the responsibility that comes along with that frighten you in any way? No. Not at all. God, to be young. All the old guys are like, whoa. I mean, remember when we were that young? You have no fear, right, Jerry? No fear. Yeah, I mean, if this ever goes down, you know, there's 10,000 other ways to make money online. You know, it's funny you say that because... Uh, this was a conversation yesterday, too, about people with education. Like you said, some of those degrees, those lesser, uh, 
I don't want to call them valuable because there's always a value in an education, but the lesser you utilize degrees, um, they're working at AT&T selling cell phones or they're at Starbucks making coffee and stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, but that's not what they went to school for, right? That's not what they're 60, 70, 80, $100,000 in debt for is to have those jobs because you can go, go get those jobs today with no degree. You want to work at Starbucks, just apply. You want to work at AT&T to sell phones, apply. You don't need to go to school for it. And so you, however, um, have this, this – and it's funny. You have uh, – it's not even a hope. You just know there's – what did you say? 15,000 more ways to make money? I mean just – There's millions of ways to easily make money. It's just – it's just – think about that. Yeah. anything. But there's guys working at Starbucks, and again, I'm not picking on them. I don't mean it that way, but just feeling hopeless because that's the most they got. They couldn't find a job. They went for that degree because they were passionate about that subject, and they can't find a job. And here you are, didn't go to school, and you're like, man, it's 15000 Wait, that one don't work. I'm going to try another one. I'm going to try it. that. It's not hopeless. I mean, it's not hope, hopeful. I mean, it's just like you just know it. Do you get that? That's like certain to you. It's it's just so different. Do you get where I'm going with that? Yeah, I mean, I can go on a whole rant about how college debt is ruining everyone, but I'd rather not. But essentially, these people are going for thirty to fifty thousand in these bigger universities, spending that money on government-backed loans, and then these colleges, they they'll try out the math classes, the stuff that you know, easier to find jobs once you graduate. They realize they're not that good in math. They're not that good in uh, memorizing stuff for law school, and they're not into biology. And then they find out, oh, but I'm really good at literature. I love reading Shakespeare books. I know how to write books. And they spend the next four years studying that. They accumulate all this debt, and once they graduate, you realize, oh, there's not really a big uh, corporation that hires writers left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that company's not working anymore. You know, and it's funny that same skill set, their ability to write, they could have a blog today and make six figures today if they can write interesting stuff, yeah. compelling content. Right? They could write a book and never, you know, self-publish it or you know, or pop it up on um, Amazon. You know, their their uh, create space. They could do all that stuff and spend zero dollars. Zippo, zilch, and still get. And actually have something. Um, it's a there's a real transition. You're 19. There's a real transition because I think this next generation, uh, you and I think you're at the forefront of it, is going to say, huh. And a bunch of parents are going to say, huh. Not again. This isn't worth it. We want we we want you to find something you're going to love to do. I mean, you think about this. Do you have any plans for the next 30 years? Uh, eventually, I want to get into real estate because you know that's not going away anywhere. Right, but it's uh, know when to buy and when to sell. And right now, it's a seller's market, so yeah, I just have to wait till it's a buyer's market. But you don't have a thirty-year plan, right? So you're sitting back and like, no, yeah, I'm going to let it happen. And guess what? I would say to you, that's awesome because guess what? In thirty years, the the workforce is going to be completely different, right? We all know automation is going to have an impact. And to me, the fact that you don't have to have a master plan. When I went to school, you went and worked at a company. Your goal was to stay there for 30 years and you'd get a retirement. They literally gave out watches where I used to work. I mean, no kidding. They gave out not gold. They weren't real gold. They were gold-plated watches, I swear to God, or a pen set because I was in the accounting field. They give you this gold pen um, engraved, and that was what you'd work for. But that's 
you know, those companies are all bankrupt. Every single one of those companies are long since gone. Honest to God, everyone I work for. Um, and so you sit back today and say, I think your plan, which is not to have a plan, but to, to learn skills. If you learn real estate, that's valuable. Like you say, it's not going anywhere. Those skills that you build up, this buying and selling, this, especially the pivoting that you've done, where you said, hmm, this is good and I could do it. And I guess you could step back to that if this ASD thing doesn't work out right. Um, but I'm going to scale. I built this skill set, these negotiating skills. Now I've got a little more confidence. I got more cash flow and I'm ready to move forward. Jerry, I'm sitting here saying, as I'm looking down at a 19 year old kid who's got a lot on a lot figured out. Yeah, a lot of people my age, they still got a lot of learning to do, but they'll get there eventually. Well, I heard somebody say this, is that um, you want people at 16 to you know make mistakes and learn, 19 is fine, not at 26. And unfortunately, that's what's happening is a lot of kids are coming out of college, having to move back with their parents and trying to figure out what to do with their life. But they're, like you said, $50,000, in debt. They have a college degree, not for something they enjoy. And now they're saying, what do I do with my life? You want to do that now um, at your age. So that's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So you scaled up. You went to this um, see awesome group of guys who I love. I love Chris, Steve, and uh, Eric. They're, they're just great guys. So they inspired you to, to get bigger and better. You go to ASD. You meet up with maybe Jason Clark or some of these other really strong, terrific people. And yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the big boy sellers, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan, Cleeter, yeah, all these guys who just really have fi figured out and just doing a terrific job. And you say, I want to be like you. Um, and they probably give you 100% advice, right? And charge you absolutely nothing. Yeah. And they just want to help you. And so you come up with a plan. So tell me what your, your new revised plan. Don't give away any secret sauce, but go ahead. Give us your plan. All right, so I mean, I believe in January, I was like, Cleeter, he told me a lot about Lego, and you know, we, we both love Lego, so we got along well. He's like, oh, try to set aside, if you're making 10000 a month, set aside maybe a couple hundred to a thousand to invest in Lego for long-term holds. So during beginning of January, end of December, they're clearancing out half their Lego section. So a good amount of sets I bought to resell immediately. And a good amount I spent and just put it in a closet. And right now, that's why I'm cashing in all the Lego that I've been holding on to. All right. Let's pause on that because this is genius stuff. So, And they mark it down to about half price, correct? Yeah. About half price. 50%. 70%, that's, it sells out. Yeah, 70%. It very infrequently doesn't even make it to 70%, right? There are very few that make it. Usually the box is damaged or something like that. But you took this approach. You said, hmm, at 50%, I'm going to buy. I mean, and then you went through them and figured out which ones have the most potential to be long-term gains. Is that is that kind of the math you do? Yeah. You say, okay. And then the other ones, you know, if you're buying them at a half price, you can make more than the fees back. And then that additional cash helps you pay for. So even if, at the end, if what you bought, you sell half of it off, you're almost at a break even for everything you bought, correct? Is that kind of the math? Yes. Okay. So then you got that math. So then you have this closet full of stuff. I want to ask this because um, uh, I think Sean and uh, Angie Cranford, that's their business model. They're long-term Lego sellers. They just know so much. I mean, they just know. I mean, they're just perfect everything about it. They have such good systems. How is your system for organizing storage and tracking those things what what's that look like well 
I mean, it's not that complicated because I don't do that many holds, but I just have a storage room in my house where I keep all my returns or long tail items or like stuff to restock when I sell it on Amazon. And then in the corner, once you get to the little maze of boxes I have, you'll find the hidden gold stash of Lego. Okay. So they're, they're, they're protected in a, a boxed up or something like that to protect them from getting crushed, that kind of thing. Yeah, like I stack them properly, and they're on shelves, so they're not going to fall down. Now, you don't put them up for sale even at a high price and just leave it lay there? I'll sometimes do that, but if I notice too many sellers are priced at, let's say Lego set clearance was $6 and too many sellers at 12 I'll wait till it hits 15 before I list at 20 bucks and send it into Amazon. Okay, and so then you're sending it in FBA. Um and uh, you're not merchant fulfilling any of it? No. Okay. All right. So you're waiting and you're letting, because what, at least my experience has been, you know, especially with Target, I think is an easier example because Target, I think, is much more consistent about their um, their clearance than, than Walmart is. So Target would start discounting wherever it is, one end of the coast or the other, and then it would work its way across the country. And so in the beginning, you'd go and you'd see these great prices, great ranks, and then, you know, you'd send it in and then all of a sudden the price would decline so quickly because the number of sellers would, you know, quadruple, right? And it, it didn't stay there very long. But if you waited, it eventually recovered and then it becomes a premium again, right? Yes. Okay. And so that's your business model. So how long do you typically have to sit on this stuff? On Lego sets? Yeah. Some sets uh, I'll hold on to maybe a month or two before price recuperates or shoots the price point where I want it at. Other times it's six months holding on, wait till Amazon sells out then let the secondhand market make it its way up. And once it gets at a good enough price point where I'm making 50%, that's when I'll send it in. Okay. So that's a strike price for you. And, and that's something that you've done that again, your math teachers are proud. They're sitting here saying he gets it. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, they say it. They, you know how many kids can't calculate that stuff? They can't, dude. You can go to college and not and get out of class and not understand how to do that. I'm telling you, I used to hire accountants. I understand. I used to say to them, "Did you go to accounting school? This is deferred income. This is basic high school level." I used to learn that in high school. Some of this stuff. So I mean, I'm just telling you. So I think it's very, very cool that you figured this out again, and you know those things, and you have a plan for it. So um, that's a lot faster recovery than I. Maybe the market's changed. I guess you know. I guess it has changed. You know, with with Toys R Us going out of business, um, you're going to see stuff. the The toy business is absolutely going to change. Correct? Oh yes, correct. So so, are you doing anything else to plan to adjust for the lack of Toys R Us this year? Well, aside from uh, doing long term Lego holds this year, I started at, at March ASD. There was a seller there that I previously purchased from, and I was like, oh, do you remember me? I bought $8,000 worth of stuff from you last time. He was like, yes, yes, I remember you. I'm like, all right, point me to the good stuff. Hmm. I know you you saw on Amazon, too, because I see your store on every listing I'm on. And he's like, oh, you got me. And he just started pointing out stuff left and right. All right, this toy's good. I recommend this amount for now. If you need more, just let me know, and I'll exclusively sell it to you and five other guys. And from there, I built that relationship with him. So, so <laughs> does he know how old you are? You look young. He must know how you, but he must also understand the confidence and the concept. So, you're competing with the person selling to you. 
Um, however, however, he's limiting the number of competitors. So for him, he knows there's going to be, you know, a thousand units sold. And if he sells 500 and he can mitigate his risk by selling off the other 500 to you five guys, everybody's happy, right? And he's going to make, he gets a bunch of his money back as fast as he can. He can lower his average cost, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Hmm. Now that took two years to develop that relationship. Yeah. The um, first SD and then he'd send me like a monthly email and I'd buy stuff here and there and this year, I started buying really heavily from him, and he'd send me exclusive deals just to me. And so, how does that first conversation, because that's something else I get a lot of questions about. You know, if I go to a trade show, um, like an ASD, and especially that's a huge one, so that's really overwhelming. It really is overwhelming. How do you approach these people, um, you know, and when you see the signs, no scanning, you know, you can go make your Amazon pitch, but there were 48 guys ahead of you saying the exact same thing, Right. How do you, how do you, an uh, 18-year-old kid at that point, <laughs> go up and have that conversation? Well, for the ones that say no Amazon, I'll still scan and try to get my way in. But if I don't succeed, there are 10,000 other wholesalers at that show. Uh, just go to the next guy and pitch the same thing. But some guys, like they'll know there's Amazon sellers, but they want to see you buy a good amount first before they trust you with giving them oh, lists. So that's how they filter out. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's cool. And so you obviously bought the right item last year. Yeah, yeah, a handful of good products from them. And spent eight grand and you made your money back and a profit. Correct? Yes. So what what would you say was the reason that it worked for you? Because one of the other things I hear from everybody is you go to ASD and everybody's selling the same thing. It's a race to the bottom, blah, 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 all the negative stuff. Um, you're not saying that. You're saying, hmm, this is exciting. This, you know, is it, again, are we back to this mindset issue, Jerry? Yeah, definitely a mindset issue. And <laughs> obviously, these bigger wholesalers, you say, hi, my name is blah, blah. I have money. You want my money? I have too much money. And they're like, oh, I like money too. And that's how you become friends with them. <laughs> so that's the, you speak their language. I mean, that's really it. Did you take a speech class in high school? Mm, in you middle school, I had a speech class and high school. I'm telling you, the parent, your teachers will be proud of you because you have the ability. You know how, again, how hard that is for people to go up and have that conversation. And here you are, an 18-year-old kid. This Mindset Matters has been, I think this is, the, I know it's the second time for sure, but I think there was a, another inference to it. Where does that come from for you? Where does this mindset, I mean, it doesn't sound like your parents were entrepreneurs, and maybe they were, um, but they were pushing you to go to school. Where does that come from? Well, uh, I mean, both my parents were entrepreneurs, and my family originally came from Venezuela. And my grandpa, he was really big into real estate and buying businesses. He had car dealerships. And then when my parents moved here and Chavez took control of Venezuela, slowly all my businesses my grandpa had were shutting down, were taken from the government. And then my parents are here, you know, making their own businesses. And my mom's like, oh, be grateful you're in the U.S. because... Over there, back home, if you have something, the government's going to take it away from you. So there's a gratefulness in that mindset. Hmm. Yep. Dude. Oh, man. I'm telling you, all the old dudes are like, ooh, there's a kid who gets it. So that coming from something, you saw the value of it. You saw the, you grew up in that environment. 
Um, I can see why your parents didn't push you, why they gave you, they probably said, he's got it. He understands it. And if you understand gratefulness, you take that mindset and add gratefulness to it. There is no limit, really. There is. There's 15,000 more ways to make money, Steve. That's what you told me. Yep. <laughs> Dude, love it. All right. So you got a plan. You're executing your plan. How's it going? Because we're in Q4 pretty much. I mean, we're we're shipping for Q4 for yep. sure. Um, how's it going? How, uh, do you feel like you're, you're, you're starting to hit your stride? Well, ASD... August, that's when I did really large purchases of a handful of wholesalers. And, you know, products has been coming in. Other guys have been uh, sending me lists of leads, and I'll filter out what I want to buy and what I don't. So i just been easily spent over 100000 on inventory just for Q4. He's 19. He's 19, everybody. Go ahead. Keep going. So, like, this whole month has just been receiving shipments, trying to get out as much as possible. Stuff that needs to be prepped, like little plush toys or stuff that has to be bubble wrapped. Pay a friend to do it because I don't really feel like doing that. <laughs> and just trying to get any uh, dead stock to have around the house listed and sent out and get the money back. Yeah, that, and that's such a smart pro tip right there is take that dead stock, especially since you've changed your business model, right? So your business model is pretty sound. You have a plan. Um, you're waiting for that stuff to go in. Some people would say, oh, no, I got to go out and scan, Jerry. I got to run out and scan, scan, scan. But you don't have to scan the stuff in your garage. You got to get it sent in to spe- to sell, right? I mean, that's really the smartest, the easiest return. Even if you only got part of it back, it doesn't matter. You didn't have to spend a dime more than you've already spent. It sunk that cost, right? Yeah, like some, well, my storage closets had over like 100 so video games back when <laughs> I thrifted. I got those listed and I already had half sold by the time we're talking today. So here's a 19-year-old kid giving advice, everybody. Um, listen to him. He's saying, hey, get your dead stock, send it in, get rid of it, move on. Uh, again, use that term, sunk cost. That's my term. Um, and and invest that money and free it up because you're going to have these lists. So you got all that money, those those half that video game money that you got back. You have the ability to, to buy those toys or maybe an extra or more increase the volume. The other thing you're doing is you're partnering up with other sellers. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? You don't have to say names or whatever, but just yeah, talk so, about it. So one, uh, one of the sellers I talk to a lot, he wasn't able to make it to last ASD, but he's like, oh, if you have any leads that uh, the wholesaler will sell to both of us at once, let me know. And at the last day of ASD in August, I found one wholesaler that was hidden away. Not many people saw that person. I established a relationship by doing an initial purchase. And a few weeks ago, they sent me a list of items for sale. And I found one with really good potential, low competition, and and retail stores you can't even find it anymore. So I asked them, oh, can you send me an invoice for me and one to my business partner? Hmm. And they're like, yes, no problem. Just uh, let me know how many you want to buy. So within the next couple of days, that big order is coming in. And now, why would you do that? Up. Let's talk about that for a second. Because why why would you do that? Because you know, hey, business is you know business. It's not personal. This is uh, cutthroat, right? Got to make your. It's all about profits, Jerry. It's make your way at everybody else's expense. It's climb on your competitors. It's fierce. So why would you do that? Uh, I mean, we've done joint pet, uh, ventures in the past, like traveling RA. And at least for this video game item, if I were to buy 
a thousand for myself that take way too long to sell through and I don't have that cash flow to spend it on one item. So I'd rather just split it amongst maybe two or three other sellers and you know, we each get money, but we don't have too much invested on one item. So you're mitigating your risk. Your economics teacher would be very proud of you, Jerry, because that's a concept in economics. Uh, so <laughs> um, I think you did well. I don't know where you went to high school, but you got an education. Um, and I'm assuming it's your grandfather and your parents that have taught you along the way. I think it's very, very cool. Um, and, you know, again, I sit back and I think about watching people evolve over time and figuring it out and mitigating your risk, taking chances, but calculated chances. Um, and it probably does start with your parents believing in you, doesn't it? I mean, it's really important, isn't it? Yes, uh, especially last year. That's when they're like, all right, you're on your own now. Don't be asking me for money. And I was like, all right, don't worry about it, mom. I, I'll make my money. I'd rather go broke than to beg you for a couple hundred bucks. And so what is, what's the conversation with them now when you talk about business and that? I mean, do they have a smile? I mean, do they sit back and like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I mean, they've uh, got to have a respect. I mean, there has to be a respect. I'm happy, but just, she just keeps bugging me like, oh, you have this pile of stuff in the corner there for two months. Get out of the house now. Okay. All right. All right. So that piece, um, I always tell uh, the story is that getting a warehouse for marriage um, now, this is good for parents, too, was the best thing I, mo I did was getting all that inventory. Like I, I used to go buy a business and put it all in our garage, get, empty it, and then fill it up again and fill it up again. And she got sick in winter not putting a car in the garage. So I get that. That's a real thing. All right. So you were evolving. You were adjusting. You're tweaking your business. You have a plan. What's next? What do you think? I mean, as you sit and you look at this, um, clearly you're having some success, right? You don't know how this is going to go Q4, right? You're, you're definitely taking bigger chances. Um, you're not running as much, are you? For traveling? Well, for yeah, dogs? you used to travel extensively for RA and stuff like that. So you're not running as much. Not as much. I mean, I'm planning out a trip for next month to go up the East Coast, but... Other than that, just come back home maybe a week or two before Black Friday and stay in Miami for a couple of weeks and probably January, just take the month off. <laughs> don't tell me you're going to some place. Well, I guess Miami is warm already. That's where people want to go. So you don't have to go very far. That's that's funny. <laughs> that is, there's, there's some... There's some value in that um, where you live. Okay. All right. So that's the plan. And then next year, what would you what would you say... If you had to put together, if somebody said to you, hey, Jerry, what's your plan for next year? We got you this year. What What's the, you know, are you going to double your sales? Do you have, a, a, and work your way through that? So I'm sounding like Jason Clark here for you. Tell me what's your plan. Well, uh, this year, my plan's already to double my sales. And at the pace I'm going, I'll probably go maybe 20% over that goal, which <laughs> that's what I want. But then for next year, I'll see, all right, let's see if I can match the same numbers I did within seven months and whatever I'm making Q4, that'll be extra. So I'll probably be, let's see a 30% growth in my business next year. Now, do you see a need for a warehouse? Do you see a need for uh, other things? Or is your goal to find a way around all those things? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get mostly into wholesale now. Mm -hmm. I don't do that much chasing around the country for discontinued items or gold nuggets here and there. So probably the next year I'll have to buy a warehouse, 
receive shipments there, ship stuff out from there. Okay. And are you selling on uh, more than, uh, I mean, you sell on Amazon and you, you still sell on eBay or no? Yeah, eBay is either returns from Amazon, Lego from bulk buys, or just stuff I'm just trying to liquidate to get quick money back. Okay, or a restricted item or something like that, right? So, so yeah. whatever you get stuck with. Okay, all right. Do you do you see yourself selling on any other platform at this point? Have you looked at any of the other platforms? Mm, I mean, I know Etsy and Poshmark; they all have their own value, but I'm not yeah. that into clothing. Or uh, Walmart, I guess, or Jet, or any of those. Not 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 in it for you now. No. Okay. All right. All right. It's cool. You know, again, I sit back and I look at uh, where uh, people are, where they're going. And man, it sounds like you've got a great plan, Jerry. It sounds like you're executing it. I think maybe that's the better thing. You're executing the plan so well. I think that's the, that's what's making you an outlier. That's what's making. That's why your name kept coming up to me. Like, you got to see this kid. And, they, and everybody kept saying, they, I'm sorry, they call you a kid. Don't get offended by that. That's we all wish we were your age. Uh, use a uh, use your age to your advantage. That's absolutely. We all wish we were your age, right? All these guys out here, um, we die to be your age right now. Especially if we knew what we knew. Um, okay, so um, if one thing you, you're doing, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let me make this comment about this, and because you know I have sponsors that that you know from my my show that have groups and stuff like that. But here's a 19 year old kid who's got a little group he does. And he has a um, his own little list, daily list, and he has a Q4 list. And so uh, I'm not pitching it. I'm not pitching it. I don't benefit in any way um, other than seeing him do well, which, as you can tell, I want to see, period. Okay. Um, so I'm willing to let him give his contact information, and then you could dig if you have any interest. If this connects with you in any way, then you seek it out, and you're going to have to do the work. I want somebody to do some work. So that way I can I can still feel good about myself, and, and I just don't want to hurt uh, you know my commitments that I've already made. So I don't want to be that guy. But, but I, I still would love to see you continue to expand in what you're doing because I'm telling you, you are getting the best education, the best education. Um, that I've heard of um, in this business because you're figuring things out. You're understanding margins. You're understanding your, where your money's made. You're understanding, hey, this isn't working or I'm adjusting because I want to get bigger and there are limitations and I understand those limitations and I have goals and then I match my goals and I exceeded my goals and now I'm setting goals for the next time. I'm setting my travel plans around my schedule and I'm moving. All those things are fabulous education, Jerry, and, and I'm very excited about it. All right, so if somebody wants more information or wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, easiest way for direct contact with me on Facebook, just look up Jerry Ballop, send me a message. I'll be okay. more than happy. Uh, B-A-L-E-P, so, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll put a link out here for that. Okay, all right, so now if, that, if anybody wants to reach out to you and find out more about that. Okay, so th the goal of this podcast is to help people get stuck now. Wise 19-year-old Jerry Ballop. <laughs> we need your wisdom, young man, because um, you got lots of it. What's your best advice? Because you have people coming. I mean, it's got to feel pretty funky to you for people double your age coming to you for advice. And I know it happens because you're having success. And they got to be like, wait, how are you doing this? What? How? What's your advice that you give to people who are stuck? People who are stuck? Uh, one good piece of advice, learn from your mistakes, make a lot more mistakes to learn from those. And then second piece of advice, 
don't be afraid to reach out, talk to people, join Facebook groups, join maybe a couple of those paid groups here and there to just see what everyone else is talking about and just try to gather as much information from anywhere you can. That's phenomenal. Um, the green room is a great place. I mean, that's another, that's a great place. I'm in a member in that group. Um, and I just love those guys because they're just real sellers, uh, who grind it out. Um, but have all designed a life. When I think about all three of those guys, they have 100% designed their life. You know, Chris, Bupuy, he is, he's got a life like no other. You know, Steve Rakin, you've seen the transformation in what Steve is doing. And then Eric, the picker, uh, college picker, I mean, he's like, every time I see him, he's someplace else in the world, you know, living the life he's designed. And yet they can help you advance. So there's a group that you uh, I can pitch. Um, all the other groups, and I always say this, and you tell me if this is right, you got to go where you connect with people, right? Where you fit in. That person you're going to travel with, you guys connect, right? And so that takes that relationship even further. Yes. I mean, there, there's those big Facebook groups of uh, 20, 30,000 people. And even those, I managed to find friends in those groups. And then put yourself out there and go to a meetup. I, I, you know, go to ASD. That's a good example. Go to ASD. Maybe not to even go to the show, but go to the meetups and then meet other like people. Then go to the show and go collectively. And like you said, even make some purchase. To, I think it's a very, very smart move. Dude, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm proud as a dad for you. I'm telling you, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, my God, 19 years old and you have figured out so much. Mindset matters. Add some gratefulness, Jerry Bowen. Dude, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. All right. Thank you. Hopefully you figured out the word was grateful, right? Gratefulness. Um, you add that to that mindset and look at what happens. Look at where somebody could go. If you're a parent, don't you wish your kids were this prepared for life? Is there any doubt that Jerry's going to be successful? I don't care if Amazon goes out of business. He's got 14,999 other ways to make money. You heard it. There's a confidence in there. It's not a cockiness. It's a confidence because he's got a good set of skills. He's ready. His parents, his family, his grandfather have prepared him because he has the right mindset. But then he knows about gratefulness. And that's the answer right there. I always say love is the biggest uh, thing, but gratefulness is it, right? He gets it. You need to get it. I need to get it, right? So, Steve, we're talking to you. So very, very cool. Um, great guy. Uh, can't wait to meet him face to face. Hopefully he's coming up my way. I'm going to make sure I get some time with him. I need some Jerry time because I want some of that gratefulness. EcommerceMomentum.com. EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.